Welcome, Impactful Parents. It's time for the Impactful Parenting Podcast, where I give you parenting tips and resources to make you a more impactful parent to your school-age child. I am your host, Christina Campos. School-age children turn their chaos into connection with their adolescent. I offer parent education videos every week, online courses, and coaching. And if that wasn't enough, I bring experts in on other fields onto the Impactful Parent stage to teach you even more. And today I have a special guest. Her name is Claire Marie. And Claire is a school emergency management expert, a trauma-informed practice consultant, and former reserve law enforcement officer. Now, Claire is passionate about approaching emergency preparedness and management through a trauma-informed lens and supporting schools to do the same. So working as a leader in K through 12 schools for safety and emergency management, Claire often hears about young kids struggling with lockdown drills. So she wrote a children's book called Sammy the Sasquatch, Welcome to Crittertopia, which helps to support adults and children with these difficult conversations and practices. I'm really excited to have her on the stage today. Thank you so much for being here, Claire. Well, I'd like to start off with how can parents prepare their child for a school drill or some kind of lockdown drill before it happens? Because, I mean, if, I hate for their first experience to be right at school, and it's better if we could just start in the home. So how would we guide parents to start having these conversations? Yeah, such a good question. And um, regardless of the age, you can have these conversations at home. Of course, when they're younger, they may not have encountered lockdown drills yet or earthquake drills or fire evacuation drills. Um, but it's still important to have these conversations with older kiddos as well. Uh, the, the most important thing is to wrap the conversation in safety in general, right? So kids are great at being at practicing being safe all the time. And so just starting this strengths-based conversation with them about stuff that they do every day, all day long to be safe. You know, you can ask them what's something you do and uh, they could say, oh, I look both ways before I cross the road, or I always use a seatbelt. Um, you know, I don't run with scissors. You know, if they're really young, they probably shouldn't be answering the front door. Um, you know, if they're older, it's, it's what is their online presence, right? Are they responsible online? So there's lots of different ways that kids practice being safe all day long. And what we want to do is normalize that they already do this. And then we can start introducing these kind of larger topics, right? Of things like lockdown drills, evacuation drills, earthquake drills, uh, into these conversations, these strengths-based conversations, because then it helps them to understand that, uh, it's not just one-off things that we're doing to practice being safe, right? It's just a, something we do every single day. Um, and then keep in mind that their their brains, all human brains, you know, are wired to think about what if, right? It's one of the ways that we practice keeping ourselves safe. Uh, if we think what if, uh, then we're able to think through what do we need to do to stay safe? And so when their brains go on that what if kind of uh, repetitive cyclical process, our job as adults is to recognize that and to mirror it and then to help bring it back to them. Not what if, but what do you know works regardless of what's going on in the world around you? And then the other big thing is the energy that you bring to the conversation is key. If you are grounded, if you are calm, if you are warm and gentle, that is going to help a ton. They can fee feel if you are anxious or nervous um, and so those are, those are kind of three big steps to having these conversations at home, regardless of age. 
I want to dive into that nervous feeling that you're just talking about because so many parents don't feel comfortable having these conversations and that's going to come through when they're trying with their child, whether it is they just don't believe in the whole thing and it's not my kid or some parents take a stance of if I mention it, then, you know, maybe I'm going to scare them or even if I mention it, it might happen. Like our minds go so crazy as parents because we're nervous and scared all the time about the safety of our kids. So for whatever reason, a, a parent might just feel uncomfortable having this conversation. What kind of advice would you give to them? I, you know, honestly, I, I, I think the discomfort that I see the most in parents and caring adults comes not from the the function of lockdown specifically, that's a big one, right? Uh, It's not the function of lockdown. It's what we assume is occurring that has led to your child doing a lockdown. And so what I really want to just help parents uh, and caring adults to understand is that lockdown is a function. Lockdown does not mean that the worst, biggest, scariest thing is happening uh, an active shooter, right? We never want that to happen in schools or anywhere. Um, But lockdown is a function that we can use to help manage the classroom and restore safety and mitigate the potential impacts of a potential threat, not necessarily something that actually exists. Uh, You know, honestly, I serve schools in very rural and frontier regions and, and very urban regions as well. I have some schools, I'm not kidding you, they could go into lockdown because a cougar wandered onto campus or into a building, right? Um, They could go into lockdown because someone wandered in who maybe doesn't have a weapon of any kind, but is confused and isn't supposed to be there. And what we can do to manage and make sure everybody stays safe in that situation is a lockdown. And so if we can detach this concept, this function of lockdown from the assumption that the worst case scenario is happening, that's one big step we can do as adults, especially when we have these conversations with kids. Um, I have one school in particular uh, where a teacher noticed someone hopping over the fence, which is very concerning, put the school into lockdown, proper call, law enforcement went and made contact. It was a local construction worker who needed to use a porta potty, right? And so we need to help parents and caring adults understand the best thing we can do is focus on the function and help bring kids back to, hey, this is just a way we help to keep you safe. It doesn't mean necessarily that anything big or scary or bad is happening. These drills are so important. As a former educator myself, I taught in schools for over 15 years. Uh, Drills in general, I mean, for as much as I hated them and they were a pain because they totally (laughs) disrupted our lesson plan. I mean, we knew they were important. I mean, you want your kid to know what to do in emergency situations, not even at school, but like in life, like that life happens and emergencies happen and we should be prepared for that. And these are how you, you know, you want to make it so automatic and keep them calm. And I love that schools are practicing this actually. It's uh, just for me, making parents aware that it doesn't necessarily have to be a scary topic. It, like you said, I just so excited to hear all the things of how you use all kinds of different drills in order to prepare our kids for many different situations. And I want to reiterate that to parents that this doesn't mean that things are going to go bad or that your school is in a threat of some sort of any kind at all. It's just part of really teaching our kids to be prepared for any kind of an emergency. And you've done this for so long 
that I'm sure, especially the little ones, they have lots of comments and questions about things that they're doing within these lockdown drills. So what are the most typical types of questions that you get from, let's say, the younger kids? Because they're going to be asking their parents these same questions. Yeah. The the biggest things that they're curious about uh, is what do they do if they're not in the classroom? So kids understand what to do if they're in the classroom. And, and I want to say that this, uh, this is very school specific. I can give you what is recommended, you know, at a high level, but again, very school specific. So they want to know what do they do if they're not in the classroom, which if they're super young, then they're probably never going to be in the hallway. Oftentimes the bathroom is in the classroom. So it's a little bit easier. Uh, if they're in the hallway, they need to go to the closest classroom. It doesn't matter if it's their primary classroom or not. They just need to go into the closest classroom. Research shows us that lockdown um, is effective. And so if they can just get behind a locked door, that's the best thing they can do. Uh, If there are outside, we always ask them, well, you're never outside by yourself, are you, right? There's adults around, there's other kids. So you know what? You're just going to go for a walk. So likely they'll have a designated rally point, hopefully off of campus. Uh, And even if they don't, they're always going to have trusted adults with them. And so they will simply go for a walk. And we always kind of make that fun, you know, like, oh my gosh, you get to skip class and go for a walk. How fun. Uh, If they're in the bathroom, again, this is very school specific. There are some schools that will recommend to the kids that they remain in the bathroom. Um, What is, uh, what is kind of the best practice is for them to actually minute they hear the lockdown starting is to go into the closest classroom. Usually there's a closed classroom. It's best if the school has a conversation with the teachers whose classrooms are closest to the restrooms. Hey, you're going to have some kids coming in when a lockdown is starting, right? Because there's going to be that time from where the the teacher is at some some location in the room and must relocate to the door in order to carry out the steps through which uh, children in the bathroom could could enter that room. Uh, And if they're not able, you know what, could you, do you know how to go for a walk? Could you go find a group of, of adults and kids that are outside and going for a walk? Okay, you could go with them, couldn't you? Uh, and so it's, again, it's very school specific, but the, the biggest keys to remember are to get behind a locked door. And if you can't get behind a locked door to just go ahead and exit the building and find a responsible caring adult that you can stay with along with other kids. Now I'd like to take that same question and apply it to our older kids. If there's anything that our older kids seem to be concerned about. And I'm going to preface this by saying personally, I have four children of my own, two of them, which are now grown in, in college. And my college kids tell me, yeah, it's just something that we did. They're not nervous about it at all. They grew up on, unfortunately under this new regimen and to them, <laughs> I have one kid that even when he hears about unfortunate events that happen within schools, it doesn't even unfortunately phase that kid as much anymore because it's like, yeah, it's something that we've learned might be a risk. And I just wanted to see if you have heard of anything like that also in where you, you know, with all the teenagers that you talk to, um, any comments you have on that, um, I don't know. This is just my personal experience. Again, my own only two children. So, you know, maybe they're an anomaly. (laughs) They're not. I mean, at least in that sense. (laughs) Um, So we do get more questions. uh, And I want to say when I go in and do what I call coaching in schools, uh, when I go in and do coaching in schools, I always do it in partnership with local law enforcement. Um, we, we give the kids a heads up. So that's part of the trauma-informed approach. There's education that occurs before we come in. There's communication that goes out to the, to the school community, which includes parents and caring adults, uh, about when will be, ha- what, what will be happening and when, 
Uh, and then, so this isn't a surprise to kids. When we walk in the room, we have a law enforcement person in uniform with us. And that's actually really helpful in the sense of we talk a lot about the helpers and that helpers will be coming wherever you are when you need them and that they will be there very fast. Uh, you know, I have I have rural school districts and when uh, when a lockdown is called law enforcement is there in less than three minutes, you know, and normally it's a 15 minute drive to get there. <laughs> um, law enforcement helpers will be coming when uh, a school calls a lockdown, they will call law enforcement. Right. That doesn't necessarily mean, again, that there is a true threat on campus, but it just means that something different is happening and we need to make sure that we keep everybody safe. So. We talk with the kids about the fact that, you know what, it's super unlikely, super unlikely that you are ever going to have an active threat on your campus because they ask these questions. And so we can have trauma-informed, age-appropriate conversations with them when they bring up gun violence. We never bring up gun violence, but we do allow the children to voice those concerns when they have those thoughts. Because what, what we're doing is we're lifting that veil of secrecy and silence in developmentally appropriate and trauma-informed ways. So... We, we navigate that conversation by talking about helpers will be coming, helpers standing right there so we can point to them. <clears throat> um, we also help them remember, right, this is super unlikely. And then the, honestly, the biggest thing that kids, kids at, of any age don't want to be helpless. That is the biggest thing that comes up. That is what we need to teach them because they need to be empowered to keep themselves safe, but also because they feel helpless when we don't help them understand what they need to do. And so we can't stick our heads in the sand. We need to help them, you know, feel empowered. And so for the older kids, we will often hear like, well, what if someone makes it in the classroom? Can I, can I fight them? <laughs> um, you're like, okay, remember it's super unlikely. And we walk through all these unlikely things that anyone's ever going to come to your school. We also know most of these events are, are complete in under five minutes. And um, almost all of them are complete in under 10 minutes uh, when we're talking specifically about active shooter situations. So they're not, long periods of time. I mean, they're long, but they're in the scope of time. Um, so these kids have to do lockdowns um, for prolonged periods of time, but the potential threat is isolated within five to 10 minutes. Uh, and so the, the the likelihood of them even making it into a classroom, in fact, we have studies that show, um, you know, the, the chances of someone actually making it into the classroom are very low. No one has actually ever overcome a lock on a door in only three instances has someone in an active shooter situation been killed behind a locked door. And in none of those cases was it because a lock was overcome. And so we, we help kids understand the chance of someone making it into your room if you were in a lockdown is extremely unlikely. But um, what number one, what we want you to do is keep yourself safe. So if you have the capacity to run away, we recommend that you run. <laughs> um, but some kids will really push the like, they wanna fight and like, you know what? If that is the best way that you feel you can keep yourself safe, you get to keep yourself safe. But we always go back to the extreme unlikelihood that anything like this will ever happen to them. But it's just helping them understand they're not helpless. There are two things that I want to put out uh, from what you just said as I was thinking. Um, one is that as your child gets older, parents will need to revisit this and have this conversation again, because obviously a very young child who's only in kindergarten is not gonna think about, well, some, I guess, very, very small percentage of them will think about standing up and fighting, but our older high school kids would think about that as a lot of them have a feeling that now, you know, they're teenagers, they feel invincible and they want to help their community and feel even an obligation to keep others around them safe. Mm -hmm. Um, I know many, many teenagers who feel that way that just 
put take that responsibility on their shoulders. And, and so it would be great to have these conversations as they get older to, to just kind of, again, be on the same page as your child and make sure you know how they think and what they're thinking in their brain so that, you know, as a parent, um, even though it's extremely, extremely unlikely, it's, I think it's good information to you as a parent to know how your teenager is thinking about these things. Mm -hmm. Um, the second thing I'd like to ask is we're throwing around terminologies of lockdown drills, active shooter drills. There's of course, mm -hmm. tornado drills, but tornado drills, fire drills. If you're a Gen Xer like myself, that's what you're familiar with. All this other stuff, even though I was an educator, I understand that, but I don't think my, my audience really knows the differences between all these other drills that are administered. Can you mm -hmm. just give us a quick difference? Yes. And thank you so much for asking. Uh, so I want to help folks understand that a lockdown drill is not an active shooter drill. A lockdown drill allows us to train and practice a specific function. Uh, an active shooter drill is, is a drill that is specific to a particular threat or hazard. In that case, an active shooter. Um, you should never have children ever involved in active shooter drills. It does not benefit them in any way. It does not benefit the school, the adults, it benefits nobody. So children should never be involved in active shooter drills. Um, adults at the, who are employed by the school should be allowed to volunteer to engage in an active shooter drill if it is happening on their campus. And law enforcement, I'm a huge proponent of allowing law enforcement to come onto your campus when children are not there and when it is clearly communicated to the community what is going on, to practice active shooter drills because you want them familiar with your campus and you want them to drill in all sorts of different potential threats and hazards. So no children allow adults to volunteer and always uh, you know, allow law enforcement to come in and do that. Uh, lots of schools use different language around different functions. Uh, I'm not a part of the I Love You Guys Foundation, but I highly recommend you check out iloveyouguys.org they're kind of the gold standard for functions and terminology associated with school drills. What you're going to see are, are lockdown, which is locks lights out of sight. You'll see hold, which is to just hold in your current location, ignore bells. Hold would be used in the case um, most common is a medical emergency. So you have someone who's fainted in the hallway. You've got to make sure you don't have people trampling around them. You want to let fire EMS get to them. So hold. You'll have a shelter in place, which is tornado, like you described. Where I live, shelter in place would more likely be a uh, drop cover and hold for an earthquake. You can also do shelter in place against a chemical hazard. <clears throat> uh, and then you would have evacuate, of course, which is what you're using in a fire. Uh, and then you would have secure, which is more, more recently had been called lock out. Uh, we transition, we recommend you transition from that language because we don't want to have the term lock in two different things because out and down, very hard for the brain to differentiate when it's under a stressful situation. And the PA systems in schools never work well, at least once I'm in. <laughs> so no, that's true. Uh, I'm going to, yes, <laughs> agree with you on that. So secure is when there is something going on around the campus that we just want to make sure doesn't eventually impact the campus. The most common thing is law enforcement activity in the area. If they have a, a, a suspect or uh, perhaps they're serving a warrant, they will dispatch. 911 dispatch would be encouraged to call the schools and say, hey, we recommend you're going into secure all that means is that you lock all the external doors of the school and you don't transition between any buildings. You can um, evolve your secure situation as you gain more information and do uh, escorted uh, transitions between buildings if you'd like to. So those are kind of the key 
big things that you're going to see uh, schools utilizing. They might use different language, uh, but yeah, that's that's the stuff you want to make sure they're practicing and kids know how to do. I appreciate that clarification. And I'd like to talk about your book, which I'm really excited about. It's called Sammy the Sasquatch. Welcome to Critotopia. It's to help children um, of ages four through eight, like normalize lockdowns and understand it. And I just want you to uh, explain a little bit about what's inside the book and how we'd be able to find it. Thank you so much. Uh, so in the book, the there are four pages at the beginning that are geared towards parents and caring adults on tips about how you have these conversations. Uh, I really wanted to just support folks to have the confidence there to lift that veil of secrecy and silence at home. Uh, the book itself is a labor of love. It's actually out today. Today's publishing day. Congratulations. Um, thank you. Uh, it's available on Amazon, uh, Barnes and Noble, and you can actually, I love supporting local bookstores. So you can actually walk into your local bookstore and ask them to order it. And they can get it through Ingram Spark, which is where all bookstores get their books. Uh, Sammy the Sasquatch, Welcome to Critotopia, follows this character, Sammy, who is a 10-year-old Sasquatch, and her forest friends. Uh, they tour us through Critotopia, which is a special secret, not secret, excuse me, sorry. Uh, they tour us through Critotopia, which is a special magical world uh, that is kept safe by the Critter Elders, whose magic keeps it away from the humans, really. Uh, and so Sammy takes us around and she shows us this magical world and she adventures through it. And she also helps us understand that with all of the stuff that she and her friends and the Critter Elders do to keep Crittertopia safe, occasionally a curious human will just accidentally wander in while they're out hiking. And so when that occurs, what they do to make sure they keep Crittertopia and its magic safe uh, is to do a lockdown, lock sites out of sight. And then Sammy helps kids understand, you know what? You might do this sometimes in your school in case a silly Sasquatch wanders in. Uh, and so we're able to, what, what this does is it externalizes for the kids, right? This concept of lockdown and it introduces, especially to these young ages, uh, it's not necessarily about them, right? It's about someone else. And so that little distance makes it a little bit easier to engage with the concept. And then of course we have the fun little Sasquatch character and all her friends, uh, and, and then we are able to gently introduce this concept. And we also, sorry, excuse me, throughout the book, there are little um, clues about what Sammy does every day to be safe. Like she looks both ways before we cross the road. And so there's opportunities for parents and caring adults to talk with kids then. Well, what's something you do every day to be safe? And so it really walks them through how do you have this conversation in a story? Uh, and it helps us to just mirror and understand these kiddos. Now, there's not a lot of other books that have this kind of topic, but I'm curious, how do you feel your book differentiates from the others? Yeah, so there are a few others out there. Uh, and I ended up writing Sammy because they, they they didn't work as well for me. They weren't as trauma-informed. Uh, that was my biggest struggle. And so I always want to make sure everything I do is trauma-informed. There also wasn't uh, any information in those other books that helped parents and caring adults and how to have these conversations. There just wasn't that support information and there wasn't that information about how to make it trauma-informed. And that's what's really important to me, that we support these adults to empower these kids. Claire, I'm so excited about the work that you're doing. It's so needed. And just <clears throat> to have somebody come on and inform my impactful parent audience about it so that we could be more impactful parents is awesome. I can't tell you how excited I am about it. And I hear that you have a freebie for the audience. It's a coloring page uh, from, well, of 
the book, right? Is it the Sasquatch? Yes. Yeah. So it's one of the pages from the book. Uh, I actually believe it's the first page from the book. Yeah. So the kids will be able to color that. Awesome. Well, if you would like to get your freebie audience, it will be inside the Impactful Parent app. The Impactful Parent app, it's free to download and it'll be right next to this episode. So I am super excited about that. And you can go ahead and check that out. Last thing, I'm just wondering, what was last piece of advice or words that you would give parents when they're thinking about having these conversations with their kids? Yeah. The biggest thing is that it's important. Uh, And if you approach it from a lens of hearing them and mirroring them, you got this. You can handle this conversation. I hope today's episode brought value to your day. And if you would like to become a more impactful parent, download the Impactful Parent app. The Impactful Parent app is free to download and full of episodes just like this one that you saw today. Plus, don't forget you have a free coloring page from Claire right inside the app for you and your kids. But carry help and tips and parenting resources right in your pocket so that you can refer to it when you need it most. Plus, when you download the Impactful Parent app, you're joining a community of like-minded parents that just want to do the best they can for their kids. All of this and so much more is inside the app. So go and download it today. You got nothing to lose. It's free, a free parenting resource. So go to your app store, whether you have an Android phone or an Apple phone, and look up Impactful Parent. Or you can go to theimpactfulparent.com and find the link there. But until next time, you got this. I'm just here to help. Thank you for listening today. Remember to subscribe and share this podcast with a friend. And don't forget, the Impactful Parenting Podcast is an extension of the Impactful Parent community. Go to the Impactful Parent website and download the free Impactful Parent app so you don't miss a parenting tip that can help you and your family. Thanks for listening today. So go to theimpactfulparent.com and see you next episode.